here on the Modern Punk Podcast. As always, I'm Seb Mackay, and this week you listen to Fresh, the London punk band who I reckon are going to take over the world. This is such a great track, fantastic band. I'm hanging out this week with vocalist Catherine, and you know, this is a really reflective episode, not just for me, but for Catherine as well. Um, mostly for me, I think. Um, you know, one thing that I've been chatting with people a lot about behind the scenes lately is the fact that we don't have many women on this show. And that comes down to, we, we address it in the podcast, um, partly it comes down to me being shit, and it also comes down to you know the, the bands that come through publicists and, and all that kind of stuff. And so we really dive into that, we really dive into what it's like to be female and queer in the punk space and how that's changing. And what we can look forward to and also the things that we need to work on and, and this episode by no means is a takedown of the industry but i think it's a really reflective piece a really reflective conversation on where we're at and where we need to go and things that we need to be mindful of that i think we aren't and it's been really great to have Catherine on the show to chat through those things and get them from her perspective and you know to have something a bit more outward looking part of the point of this show of course is to kind of dig in deep with the artists and the people that are recording the music but we often don't really look at the industry as a whole sometimes we talk about business stuff but not really in the same social sense that Catherine talks about in this episode so I think you're really gonna like this episode I think you should definitely listen the whole way through there's some really great parts um, and it's super personal for the both of us which I think is really cool uh, so this is my conversation with Catherine Wood from Fresh and why don't you go and check out their new EP which came out at the end of April and I'm super excited about it's called The Summer I Got Good at Guitar and you're definitely gonna listen to it Good evening, how are you? Hi, I'm good, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. I, I've just realized I look unusually pink in this light. Um, <laughs> I look that, very shiny. I've put on sun cream and so I'm like... <laughs> oh my god, I know, tell me about it. I got sunburned two weeks ago, like the week before it snowed. Yeah, Yeah. it's insane. You ju- Yeah. I, was, I have I was the like, type of skin, where I see one ray and it's just like... Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, me too. It's honestly, it's funny because I moved up here from New Zealand and I was like, it'll be fine. You know, it gets oh, like wow, 30 yeah. degrees down there. Like it's super hot. Like, yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's, it's miserable, but like I'll move to somewhere where it's cold. I've already been sunburned like a handful of times. And Global I'm just warming. Like, oh. Nowhere is safe. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the title of this episode. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. How's things going with the band and stuff? You guys yeah, got a new EP sorry. coming out soon? Yeah, yeah. It's got, it's been hectic week, but hectic in a good way. Um, I think we're I've we forgotten about how 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 it feels to release something. It's been quite a while, so mm. it's really exciting. Um, and yeah, just uh, feels a bit different than normal because I feel like normally we'd play like a single release show or we'd be touring in some capacity. But you know, you got to take what you can get. <laughs> Yeah, totally. It's It's been really interesting for me. Last year, there was kind of a bit of a drought in terms of getting interviews and music and that kind of stuff. And I guess everyone's trying to wait out, you know, the apocalypse, right? But this year, yeah. it's just, there's just so much going on already. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. 
I feel like at the beginning, you're right. I think people were, from an artist perspective, I think I think people were a bit scared to release new things because there was no like end goal in sight. Um, people were scared of being forgotten probably, but now it seems like, well, you know, I mean, I imagine it'll be a while to go, but at least, at least we can kind of imagine a return to normalcy, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and I, I feel like people are certainly making up for lost time you know, yeah. getting that music out there. And, and I've seen loads of bands booking shows for like July, September, that kind of thing. And I'm like, you guys are optimistic. Yeah. That's the, I don't want, I, you know, like someone like my sister accused me of being pessimistic recently about the roadmap to reopening. And I, I want to be, I don't want to be negative, but I also think there's like such things being realistic. Um, but I think it's cool. I think, even if you book a venue and then you have to push it back a few months, even just getting the space is probably exciting and necessary. I don't know, but yeah. I, I'm probably the most pessimistic person about the whole reopening. That's such a really you'll talk to. Like I, I am the worst for it. I feel the same. Like nothing is going to happen when it's scheduled to, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's that's kind of been my approach. You know, I've been talking to guys at work, and they're trying to prep us all to like getting into the office and you know, spitting in each other's faces again. And like, you know, everything's opening up soon. Like, how do you feel? And I'm like, I feel like nothing's going to change and you're all going to be disappointed. And I'm just going to be like, sorry, guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard being, it's hard being right. Oh, (laughs) negative. No, I like that. That's better. It's hard (laughs) being right. It's much better. (laughs) Oh, but yeah, I just started a, well, I start on Monday, a full-time, like a proper nine to five job. Um, and luckily it's at a university and their universities, like, I, I don't know if it's insurance or cause they're like private institutions, but they are so cautious about like COVID and stuff. So yeah, they don't, they were like, to me, you're, you're probably never going <laughs> to, you know, you're not going to be working here this year. Um, it's going to be remote wow. the whole time. So that's, how do you feel? This is, this is becoming a work podcast. Um, but it's funny because the, the most kind of like unpunk slash forward slash punk thing about this is everyone's just like yeah i have a job because no one makes any fucking music on this side of music money on this side of the industry like well right now i'm i'm calling from my shift job where i work from five to midnight so if you hear people it's at recording studio so it's kind of punk um it's better than my corporate job better than nothing but um I also work as a research assistant for King's College London which is where I graduated from last year um so I I I I work in French literature and translation um and that's not punk however I feel like I I always I never expected to be even as busy as this band is so I never expected to make money off this and yeah I feel like like bands that I assume are making good amounts from this Bands are way bigger than us. Um, you, uh, once you see behind the curtain, <laughs> you realize they're really, they're kind of just making minimum wage at best. Mm. So I think I've resigned myself to just desperately, or like, I don't know, I toured a lot during my degree. And so I think I'm quite good at just multitasking. So, <laughs> but also I do have other interests outside of music. So that kind of helps as well. What? That's crazy. Mm. Not, out, not outside of music. <laughs> Not one dimensional. <laughs> See, not I, a lot of sleep though. A lot of stress. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's good. Like five till midnight, it's tough. That's ruthless. What? 
the 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 night shift thing like that's ruthless i would be oh my God. i would be dead it's my last shift today it's yeah this i got this job out of nowhere this this normal uh sane person uh nine to five job and yeah i came in and i was like i i can't do the same i've been working here on and off for like three years mm-hmm. um but on and off because i left for a year to work in france um as a teacher <laughs> that is super cool but, but it feels cool because like i mean at this point i'm not you know a teenager or anything anymore i feel like i've got my degree i can't really do minimum wage like graveyard shifts anymore so i've got to try and be sensible and luckily yeah i don't know <laughs> do you feel like you're on the cusp in terms of like um and i I realize this is going to sound fatalistic, but going like, I'm not a teenager anymore. Like I, I'm pushing into that whole bills, money, you know, all that kind of thing. Yes. Is it like, I have to do this band thing now or I don't do it at all? I told you um, that sounded negative. Well, no, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. Well, so Dan and George in our band, our bassist and drummer, they're in their thirties. They're considerably older than me. And so when we started this band, they were, in their late like they were like 29 30 so i i don't know i've and i've got a lot of older band friends and so i kind of i i know i'm going to be the kind of person you know i definitely don't know or care really if um i'm successful in the class way but i want to be the kind of person who at 60 i have like 20 albums behind me like mm-hmm. I, I i make i'm gonna make music regardless so you know even if it's on Bandcamp or just you know um whatever um but I do, I think, I think there is a window of time that makes it easier. And I'm glad I started playing and touring when I was about 18. I took a year out in between A-levels and uni so I could do that. Um, and then I committed to uni. I think, I don't know, I think I'm good at multitasking. I'm quite organised. Um, probably to, yeah, like, I think whatever happens, I'll figure out how to both tour and have a job. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love that. Yeah. I, I I bailed out. Um, I was I was doing like the journalism side, the writing side for a few years, and when you're down, yeah. when you're that far away from in everything, it's like impossible to make money, right? Like it's like super hard. Um, and so I was like, I can't do it. I'm out. Like corporate job, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And then I finally got to a yeah. place where I was like, and this is what I mean about not being punk at all. It's like finally got to a place where it's like, oh, okay, I can do this now. And not only can I do this, but like I could afford to put some money into ads to like grow it a little bit or, you know, like it's, yeah, yeah, I couldn't imagine doing it. I wish I had done it the way that you've done it, but I also couldn't (laughs) imagine doing it that way, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I don't think there's a formula and I think people, I mean, this is definitely not my original, you know, or particularly like, yeah, like groundbreaking thoughts, but there's such an obsession with, you know, being, being, hugely successful at the age of 21 or whatever and like it's just not realistic it's like any career um if you want to be a serious musician you've got to like just you know keep going at it steadily um but yeah like yeah I think and also I I think the not punk thing is bullshit like the music industry is unsustainable because of because of capitalism no one's going to survive in it and um, even the people who claim to be thriving are fucking not thriving, really. Um, so you you should be, I don't think anyone should feel bad for doing whatever they need to support themselves financially. I think there's a freedom in knowing you're not going to make money from 
your band <laughs> like our, our drummer dan forwarded me the other day like a tweet that was like just out of curiosity everybody um would you be in your band and would you be making music if you knew you were never going to make money you just thought he's like ha, ha, ha. i was like ha, ha. who's making money where are they i want to talk to them <laughs> yeah i want to find out how <laughs> can i have their can i have their instagrams i just want to chat <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a funny thing. Yeah. And, and you mentioned before wanting to have 20 albums behind you when you're 60. And I'm creatively, I'm all over the place, right? Like I'm one of those people that will just jump from one thing to the other. Do you kind of know like the scope of like where you want to go or are you just grabbing, you know, are you just kind of enjoying having like creative freedom and, and pushing your limits and that kind of thing? Um, I think a bit of both. I've, so I, I never expected to be in a band. I never expected to tour. Um, or be in a band really I just for a while when I was like 15 or 16 I just had fresh in my head as a fantasy band in my head I was like oh I have a band um, and then I and then I realized I had to start recording and touring and stuff um, which was equally fun but I already kind of um, have put all my eggs in different baskets because I also play in a band called Cheerleaders uh, which is three women um, and we do loads and I also play in a band called Mirex which is the guitarist of Fresh's um, Miles it's his main band he's the songwriter and I so we kind of switch roles and I play guitar in that band um, so I mean already with all those things I've got a lot of releases behind me um, even if I wasn't like the main songwriter or whatever but um, yeah it's not something I definitely haven't like thought like oh I'm gonna you know do fresh until I'm 30 and then I'll start and I'll do this I haven't like mapped it out like that I think I think the best way to do it is the way I have been doing it for me which is just like as long as the motivation to record more and to write more and it's just happening spontaneously as long as that's there I'll just write it and when and it, you really know when it's not there like you'll know so that's when and I'm sure at the same time my mind will just immediately come up with another project um so yeah winging it basically <laughs> I, I mean the thing is is like that's all you can do you know yeah it's... yeah you can only like mu music is obviously it's such a creative thing anything that's this creative <laughs> is um got abandoned perhaps in their walking baselines um yeah like you can't you can't plot something so creative you can try to you know with like press and pluggers and agents and stuff but mm. yeah <laughs> I yeah I think that's kind of the um the trap maybe is potentially the wrong word, but it's that idea that like, because we do this and because we have music press and the music press takes itself like extremely seriously, everything yes. feels like it's super serious all the time, but it's kind of not. That doesn't mean it's any less important. Yeah. It's just, you know. Yeah, it definitely is a pitfall. Like you, you can psych yourself out and then you can, as a result, kind of, yeah take your brain away from the space it's supposed to be in to be creative and also if you try and over plan everything if you're like an anxious over planner which I'm like um I think people and I you know I don't think it's been a huge problem but I worry about it because I'm an anxious over planner but I think people can really just people can sense when in authenticity and people can you know like um I don't know if you're up to date with this with this kind of discourse around this man called Tramp Stamp um I'm not, the but I already love the band. Oh, well, actually. Um, Is that the wrong thing to well, say? Um, oh, no. No, no. well, you, you, could, you could probably do a deep dive, but the, the, the nutshell is that, that this band called Tramp Stamp appeared out of nowhere. Three women 
um, singing about how they'll never date another cis straight white guy. Everyone um, was very curious because they appeared out of nowhere with like a full press kit, full, um, you know, website, huge, huge like powers behind them. People found out they were working with Dr. Luke um, and they went back on their Instagrams and they're all straight women singing about being gay. And they're basically the whole of generation, Gen Z, Twitter and TikTok started taking the piss out of tramp stamp because they're essentially a corporate label psychop, which is fascinating. But it's kind of like what happens when you get uh, Sony music trying to be like, shit, what a, what a, what a 19 year old's like. Um, quick, you know, let's put together this band. Let's pretend that they're a queer DIY punk band. Um, people, people immediately saw straight through it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it basically a flop. They were they were kind of laughed off the internet. So that's yeah. incredible. That might have it's, just made my day. Like it's honestly, if you have the time and if it's if if it's piqued your interest, it's an insane rabbit hole. It's in it's insane. It goes all the way to the top. Yeah, I, I can kind of imagine how that meeting went too. You know, like a bunch of music execs and Sony sitting around a boardroom all in their suits and yeah. stuff on their Zoom calls and being like, like And this what is Dr. Luke like? who like was taken to court for like horrific abuse against Kesha, like really well documented, horrible actions against women. And then it, this is this band kind of selling feminism <laughs> under him. Yeah, I mean, you know, I have a I have a rule and I don't need to have the rule because I do it anyway, but I have it just as a principle. I never, never want to criticize other women in music. Um, and it's got, but it's Trump Zamp has nothing to do with the fact they're women. It's kind of just more of like a capitalist critique, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, but it's, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting how huge labels are trying to recreate the quote unquote DIY punk scene because they've seen that it, I, I love it when major corporations scramble to try and recreate what they think is trendy and, the, and, the, and they'll never succeed because, because what is trendy is spontaneous and authentic. And so, yeah, it's just, it's insane. Yeah, you could, yeah. And yeah, I think bands get wrapped up within themselves trying to, trying to also push for that, but you can't. <laughs> do, you, do you have to remind yourself that you can't push for that? I think so. I think... As soon as like, as soon as you as you've printed records, like you know they're off the pressing plant. As soon as you've you know put a grand in to make to get those records printed, I think there's immediately that pressure to break even. Um, or you know, as soon as you announce a show, you kind of want it to sell out. But and then your brain, if you're me, your brain's me is like, okay, what can I do to make this happen? And it's like. I could do this, I could post this, I could say this. And it's like, well, actually, why do I want to post this? Is it to sell records? Sure. But also I'm, I have to, I do sometimes have to remind myself that what I'm promoting is my music as opposed mm -hmm. to a product. <laughs> and obviously it's, it's kind of the same thing, but it's also not. Um, the product is always secondary, should always be secondary. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm like a quite an ambitious person and I have to make sure that I, I think the rest of my band are quite good at being like, why, why, why are you, you know, like we get an offer to do something and I'm immediately like, oh, we have to do it because they've offered it. 
Um, and they're like, well, you said last week you didn't want to do X, Y, Z. And now this has come along and you're jumping it. I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. Like, I'm just, I just don't want to say no to anything. <laughs> I, I do exactly yeah. the same thing. Yeah. I, get... I think more people do them than, yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge thing. It's a huge amount of pressure, be it perfectionism or anxiety or a mix of the two, or just, I don't know. I think so many people. Everyone wants to be liked and successful and popular. <laughs> this is going. I mean, that's why we do these different. kinds of things, right? Yeah, because, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's hard. It's really hard. Examining your intentions all the time is is really hard and exhausting. It's it's cool to hear you say that though, because I've like I burn out over this sometimes, and I, and I can be quite similar. It sounds at least like I'm quite similar to you, and that like I'll see something and my brain just extrapolates it out times a million, and I go, oh, if I do yeah. this, I'll be famous or whatever. And so it's just like yeah. straight in all the time, and it's like I hate doing this. Why am I doing it? I have to just yeah. I quit. I'm out. And then it's like wait, yeah. you know, like I always have to f- go back to like actually I just like doing things that we're doing, just hanging out yeah. and chatting, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Very quickly, what becomes an option in your mind just becomes the only option. Um, yeah. And you, you yeah, I, it's a running joke in my band that I don't know how to say no to anything. <laughs> and yeah, I think, I think, I think part of that neurotic uh, thinking has gotten, has gotten fresh to some interesting places that are good places, but it's also, yeah. Yeah, it can absolutely destroy you. I get fired up the most about that kind of thing when I get turned down for stuff. So like mm-hmm. if a certain band makes its way to my inbox or whatever, it's like through a press agent and I hit them up and go, hey, I really can do this. And the band's like, you know, it's like, oh, you don't have like a million listeners or whatever. So, you know, the band's only going to go with rock sound or whatever. I'll go yeah. with like super intense. Like I'm going to get a million listeners for like three weeks and then realize that of yeah. course you can't like do that in three weeks, right? but yeah but when you like when things don't work out are you are you similar like that that you just like double down on the thing to try and make it work out are you quite good at going actually no (laughs) I think I think part of me wants to I think there's that pushback of oh I'll show you that I'm worthy but stuff that fresh gets rejected for is kind of labels and tours mostly and when that happens it feels very final because tours so like say we request to tour with a band that are a lot bigger like we email their booker the booker replies we're not accepting openers for this we've got it all sorted out already um or we you know send a release to a label get back like it's not our thing we don't want to we don't want to put this out or like we, we don't have the time something like that when that kind of stuff happens it feels very absolute and so i think i think i am quite good at, sh- at acting like it never existed <laughs> Um, and just being like, that didn't happen. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, like, depending on how how many times that happens, yeah, until until something good happens, it, it it's in your mind and for sure. But then all it takes is for a label to be like, we love this, or a tour offer to come by that's really cool for you to just kind of like deny <laughs> deny the other thing existed. You have to have some denial, I think. And what's the, is denial the kind of word for, for somebody who believes they're really talented when they're not? I think that some of that is a really good strategy. <laughs> Just pretend you're the shit. <laughs> I mean, the funny thing is, is that actually can work quite well sometimes. Like as long yeah. as you look like you belong, people will just be like, oh, okay, I guess you're here now. And you're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. 
Like it's a great strategy. I think you should use it alongside other strategies, but it's a yeah. good, <laughs> or else you'll just be like tramp stamps. Um, but yeah. It's like there are two things I want people to take away from this conversation. What you just said about using it with other strategies. And the other is just listening beyond the part where I just said, I love the idea of the band tramp stamps. <laughs> just so my whole career doesn't just go. And just be going, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> That's the bit it's that goes viral. Name. I mean, it, it, that's a, yeah, it's like a riot girl bad name which is even more insulting to me. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's what I thought of. Like, as soon as you said it, I was yeah. like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I'm on board with that. Yeah, of course. You, you Look, you drew a, a correct conclusion with the information that you had. True. Okay. I hope that that's the part that goes viral. Yeah, I think it's so snappy and easy and, and um, yeah, and <laughs> it'll definitely go viral. <laughs> this is, not to sound like sort of slightly cynical about it, but when you, get, when you think about growing your, your audience on you know youtube facebook whatever like do you ever think about how you do that or is it just so for example there's this band that i talked to um called kind eyes and they went from like 600 spotify players a month to like 10,000 because they blew up on tiktok and they just posted yes. like one tiktok that blew up and i wow. and i understand that like you can't all be in the endless pursuit <laughs> of the one viral piece of content right like i get that but from your perspective as a band like does that stuff have knock-on effects to tours and labels and is there pressure to grow that uh yeah yeah there's always pressure to to keep getting bigger um and the way you can measure that is by followers stream numbers whatever um but again you have to yeah i think there definitely has to be a consideration, a strategic consideration of how do we get more followers on Twitter? How do we get more people to retweet or like this or whatever? But um, what I found has worked for Fresh. Well, in general, overarching that, I know that I don't want to make this my sole career mm. and that I have other interests. So there's I already, there's no pressure to, you know, become the next Billie Eilish. Um, but I think... I think I use the band social media as a personal social media for quite a lot of things. Like my band is kind of indistinguishable from my social life and my friends are indistinguishable from peer bands or just, you know, a lot of my friends play another band. So it, I think it for Fresh it happens quite naturally that we get more followers and that we just more people hear about us because I am posting on all the social media sites every day. Um, I never use my personal Instagram really. I just find it boring, but I, I'm on the fresh one quite a lot. And again, I never tweet from my personal Twitter, but I tweet every day from fresh. Um, and yeah, like there is definitely pressure to like, in terms of TikTok, there's definitely pressure to get on that, which I haven't been good at recently because I haven't felt ready and I'm not going to push myself until I am ready. We have a TikTok and we have like 50 followers. And we've posted one TikTok. Um, and I will post more, but again, when I'm ready, like all the growth we've had has been, it has been physical IRL growth in that we went from, you know, 1000 Spotify monthly plays to 10,000 just because we've played high profile shows. Um, and then people see a support pup or adult mum or whatever, and they, or the bets and they, you know, they, they find us that way um we've had a couple bits of luck with spotify official spotify playlists and stuff but it's just, it's actually been quite organic i don't like that word to describe any of the things i'm talking about but it's just been like 
we, we toured very hard for a few years and traveled a lot. Um, and I was, yeah. And I just think we're, we're like, I bring it back to, to the social aspect. We're, we're really, we're quite extroverted people. We like making friends. Um, so it's, yeah, it's luck. Um, like, like we were saying earlier, there's definitely that pressure to be more strategic about it. Hmm. But at this point, I actually feel like we've got, we haven't got a huge following, but the following we have really are great. Like they're all really committed, kind, encouraging people. And so I actually rarely worry about like, <laughs> about getting more streams on Spotify and stuff. I don't know. I, I, I feel weirdly confident that we'll just keep steadily growing at a fine, acceptable, nice and ultimately uh, really good and satisfying amount. God, I sound awful. I have so many insecurities, but that's one area I'm not insecure in. No, <laughs> I it, sound like a prick. No, 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 <laughs> no, you don't, you don't at all. It's it's because like, it sounds ideal, you know, like it sounds like <laughs> when we talk about, you know, punk music and about community and all of that kind of stuff, like I, I feel like sometimes, and one of the things I try to do is which you've obviously picked up on is like dig into that kind of industry music side of you know what for bands because I think it's fun I enjoy it but we did but I do tend to gloss over the importance of that of the community side of it and you know the people that surround bands like yours and the Sonderbombs and Kind Eyes and um, I was talking to Worthless a couple days ago um, and like those guys are you know they're fantastic fun right and they're in the same the same sort of boat as as fresh right they have a great community around them that really likes them and i think it's super easy when we have these kind of existential conversations to lose sight of actually how important that is and how much that accounts for growth yeah yeah i if it hadn't been for the the sheer buzz that we have in the diy scene on a small level that's the stuff ultimately if you're interested in becoming more established and doing really big like that like I think the reason we got the pop tour was because we just like our just name was everywhere. Um, and that's only, and I think we have a very vocal minority of people who follow us who are, ju who are just so endlessly supportive of everything we do. And like, I don't call, I don't use the word fans because we're not nearly big enough, I don't think. Um, and also because the people who really like Fresh and me, maybe me, Rex, and Cheerleaders, but any, any music I do. I like that there's there's such a small amount of them I know them all by name and I know and I chat to them at shows so you know but that's all it takes um we came up playing in a like in the London DIY scene and so and also like we signed very early on to a label that has a very strong grassroots community thing like it, I think it was very lucky that it was like wow Fresh is debut album are out and then people automatically know Doe and Muncie Girls and Great Cynics and these bands that at the time were the were the buzz bands um and now I think those bands aren't are well Doe have broken up I think Great Cynics have broken up as well but you know obviously like it's changed um but it's really cool like I think yeah we were lucky in that special subject just to have a ready-made community I think and I also think we played, we, we got on the side of um, an amazing promoter in Manchester called Kieran Kelly, who does Moving North promotions. 
So our first ever show in Manchester was like a 4,000, a 4,400, 400 cap room for Manchester Punk Fest that just because the community of Manchester Punk Fest, people who go there, they trust Kieran's taste um, to the extent that the room was packed. The room was like full. Um, I don't know. We've, we've, we've been incredibly lucky that we haven't, I mean, I won't say we haven't earned it, but like we've been put in front of people. You've forcibly. kind of obviously earned it. I think you're covered there. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't so, think like, anyone like, listening to this is like, going to be like, oh, Fresh just climbed up the corporate ladder. Like that's just not going to no. happen. <laughs> I, think, I think to a degree, cool, genuine people who have clout have like put us in front of other people and been like, listen to this band. And they've had to. And then it only takes one person in that room to like it and the friend. But yeah. And also, you know, like you, you've got, even if you end up, as you well know, even when you end up in front of those people, you still have to be able to meet the mark, right? Like, That's true. You can't yeah. suck. Yeah, That's, that is very true. You know. Yeah. Yeah, we, we definitely, we are all really hardworking in terms, like we're, I think my, my bandmates are very, very talented um, in a way, like at their instruments in a way that I'm not. I'm more of a songwriter. I don't think I'm a naturally gifted guitarist. And I don't necessarily think, you know, I, I'm a good guitar. I'm fine. Like I can play guitar. But um, I think there's been a really like completely, uh, you know, I'm glad it happened, but it wasn't planned for that. We've got a nice mixture of of talent and, and graft like, yeah, I wouldn't, the, the band wouldn't have gotten any further than a couple shows if it hadn't been for our drummer, Dan, who's like, he does all the admin, basically, all the bandmen. Him and I share it, but to a large degree. And he he's the only one in the band who can drive, driving all our early tours. Um, it was him who was booking practice spaces every week. One of the perks of my job that I'm, my this job right now is that I get free rehearsals, which I've had for years. Um, so it's just about like kind of just trying to work with the limited stuff that you have. Um, I am finally learning to drive, which is cool. I had driving us today, but yeah. Nice. So when I, I can't when drive. Can, so. I yeah, I think I don't know. Like, I'm not going to say how old George and Mars are, but they're you know they're not they're older than me and they can't drive. Um, I think it's I think I think it's a London thing perhaps we have a really good transport that's why I, I'm 24 and I have only started learning just because I never needed it like um but when I lived in France it was like this village in the middle of nowhere in the south and that's when I really felt oh shit I wish I could drive because I was really relying on people just picking me up and taking me places um but yeah I think basically I think I'm really lucky in that my bandmates are like George our bassist is like a really talented songwriter he loves like american emo big fan of like into it over it free throw glockamora he brings like something different dan dan grew up like playing like these insane like hardcore shows so he's got that and then miles and i are like mountain goats disciples <laughs> so we all have like excellent music test yeah, it's a really cool, it's a really cool blend, and I think our personalities just work for it. I think so much of a band is just interpersonal and hard work, unfortunately. And and the 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 more established you get, the harder you have to work, which kind of sucks because I wish you could just like put in a year and then cruise. 
yeah because it do you, do you feel like you have to keep it right like once you get it it's people could just go anywhere right not to like cause an existential yeah. crisis but oh god yeah no they could yeah for sure like people's attentions are short um but i think if you're in the right situation again like like that's not something i worry about <laughs> see I, 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 I look at my numbers all the time and i'm like mm. oh it's like it's gone up and it's steady and then it'll just go yeah where's everyone gone and you know they're probably just sick of my voice and need a week off and that's fine but I still go holy shit yeah it's hard like I only allow myself to check like our stats when something's being released um because yeah like it's it's natural to fluctuate like it's just the way life is um you yeah you just yeah that's something that I I really think I I just don't think you can ever lead with that I think that has to be a residual effect Mm. of your creative work which is really hard because if it was a number last thing if it was a numbers game so many more people would be successful I feel like yeah I mean I wouldn't because I got a C in GCSE maths and I think I've discalculated like my maths is horrific but so is mine (laughs) yeah like so I'm glad it isn't, but I think it's not a numbers game. That can only get you so far. So that's really hard because it's really hard being creative, especially when it's not your full-time job and you've got to do other things. But gosh, yeah. Yeah, it takes a lot. <laughs> In conclusion, it is hard. <laughs> but yeah. please In start a band if you're sucks. thinking about it. I would not want to like deter anyone. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so much the same for me too, though. It's like, like I went through a phase where I put on shows and that was hard and awful. Um, oh, God, yeah. And, but, you know, and doing this and, and I think it's just, you have to do it, right? Like if you want to do it, just give it a punt. And if it works great. And if it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. You really haven't lost anything. Yeah, for sure. There's, there's no rule that you can only do one thing. If you want to also book shows and you're in a band, but you also want to write and review music like this. Yeah. I, I start, I, before I played in a band, my entire mission in life around music has been I can't afford alcohol and I can't afford to get into shows. So before I started a band, I wrote, I was like, a, I wrote for a publication and I would get free entrance into shows. That is an awesome strategy. <laughs> and then I started a band. Like if I see a, tour, a band, a show I like announced or a tour I like announced for years and still I'm like, in, I, my instinct is not to buy a ticket I'm like okay how do we play this because I want to see this band like yeah all the tours we've been every night I've just been like oh cool I get to see this band I love um so if you if you I think that's I think that's quite pure I think hmm. so if you go from that intention you'll be fine um yeah and don't expect to be good at it at first <laughs> Well, you know, the plus side is is that almost every music publication will quite happily trade your work for free tickets because they get the tickets for free. So for sure. I was, yeah. Um, I'm not going to say the publication I wrote for. Direct. Um, but I wasn't, I'm kidding. It wasn't paid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I was like some 17-year-old who really liked English literature and wanted to go see, fuck, I don't even remember. I got to, I got to interview like the front bottoms and kind of that kind of stuff which at the time were like my favorite band um and I got to go see against me and stuff so it was it oh, was what I'm I was so jealous and Frank Iera supported from my favorite band of all time um but yeah that sounds like such a dream I've never I've actually never seen MCR or against me this okay 
I, I know. I know. They were my first show ever, My Chemical Romance, when I was 14. So at the Camden Roundhouse in London. Um, they're, I think, I mean, I call them my favorite band. I don't have a favorite band, but they're one of the most important bands to me ever. Um, against me, I also love, like, the other day, Laura Jane Grace was doing, she does, a, I think, a residency with Vans online where she plays this amazing kind of DJ set and she played Girl Clout. Um, and, you know, she like tagged us in her playlist, her Spotify playlist that goes up at the end of everything. And I was like, thanks for playing us. You know, it was like a kind of cursory thing, not expecting her to reply. And she wrote back, your band is rad. And so that's been in my you just head. just like lost your shit. Yeah, I, I immediately, I have a, we have a, fa- a group messenger chat with our, with Special Subject and us, and I just immediately posted it like, okay, I'm going to like it. Uh, I'm going to reply thanks and maybe an emoji. I don't want to come off as too. And they were like, Catherine, you need to, you just slow the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a fangirl. Like, I thought I would grow out with it, grow out of it. But then I realized that there's absolutely nothing wrong with feeling things really intensely and being really passionate, especially if you're a woman. I think there's a lot of shame around really loving a band or a certain mm. you know, certain piece of music but it's that kind of passion that keeps everything going I think I, I'm the biggest the biggest fanboy like ever and there will still be certain interviews that I'll get and I'll freak out and I go into yeah. full freak out mode where I'll do them but then afterwards I don't really remember it because I've yeah. just been like yeah. panicking the entire time yeah you just yeah. like go on autopilot yeah, yeah. for sure and I listen, yeah, and then you know, like I, a couple of days later, I'll be like, "Oh, I really wish I'd asked like thoughtful question about Burr." But at the time, I was just going, "Oh my god!" It's really hard to not like go back over it and be like, "Why did I say that?" But then you just kind of have to remember, no one cares about it as much as you do. No one remembers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. Just moving through the music world and like even the smallest interactions have me like have me like that all the time. I think we played 2000 Trees and Frank Iero was playing. And so we just completely exploited the fact that we were all in the same backstage to just kind of like lightly stalk him the entire day and wait until he, it was a perfect moment where he didn't look too busy, where he wasn't sort of talking to someone where we could just quickly be like, hi, oh, can we have a picture? Like we're a huge fan. And so when I eventually got that picture, I was just, I was over the moon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, I have done that so many times. I met, um, do you know the band Let Live? I know of them. I've never listened to them. So I, a long time ago now, they played a, sh- a small show um, in Auckland in New Zealand. And I Lovely. got to meet the singer afterwards. There was like a 300 cap venue. And I used that opportunity to go up to him, say hi, give him a hug, and then tell him that I knew someone that he knows. And then I left. Because <laughs> he knows, oh, no. like, my former editor, they met at Warp Tour, and she was just messaged me once. and was like, oh, I know him. He's really great. And that was well, what I said. Good, yeah, but that's yeah, but good. I wasn't, I wasn't even like, hey, I like your music. Thanks for playing. I was it's just like, hey, you know right, Drew. I know. I know Drew. Yeah. But actually, I think I, I, I did slash do that a lot with people I'm intimidated by because you don't want them to think you're a fan, True. first of all. You want them to think you're a peer. And also it actually is a more humanizing way than kind of establishing this weird hierarchy but I'm like, I love your music so much, which is cool and fine as well. Like I'm sure they love to hear it, but also it can be a bit much. I don't know, I think, I think it's a mature thing to do. I, I did the same with the front bottoms. Um, I know one of the first people I met in the 
in the scene was their merch person when I was 16. He gave me a free CD at merch and um, because I couldn't afford it. And then, and then, you know, a year later when I released the first fresh EP, I sent it to him because I knew he was connected to the front bottoms. And I was just like, this will get me famous for sure. Um, it didn't, but he really liked it. And now like we always stay, stay at his house when we play Manchester and he loves fresh. Like he loves coming to shows. He also did much for a long time for Pup and Joyce Manor and they're both bands we've played with and toured with. So I think it's weird for him because he still remembers me as like the 16 year old girl with braces. Um, and now I'm obviously neither of those things. <laughs> so that is it's cool how cool. it works out sometimes. Sometimes you just manifest it into happening. <laughs> yeah. Say it with enough conviction. <laughs> that that is that is actually super cool. Uh, it's funny sometimes when I talk to people about like fan, you know, and knowing that I'm like the world's biggest fanboy. Talk to people about fan interactions, and they'll you know they'll say, oh, you know, it's cool. Like when people come up and have a conversation with you, but you know, th it's always a little bit weird when someone's like obs obsessive or like super intense or whatever. Yeah, and then. I just sit there during those conversations reciting all the times where I've just like lost my shit to a band. And it's even worse if it's oh, the person yeah, well, that I'm talking to, but they obviously don't remember me, right? Because they toured and all that sort yeah. of shit. And I'm sitting there looking at them going, mm-hmm, mm, fuck. <laughs> wow, who would do that? What a weirdo. You said they, 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 wow, intense? I don't know. Wow, that's crazy. That's yeah, insane. how do you live with those kinds of people? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow, I would hate to be, oh, whoa, they sound weird. Um, yeah, no, for sure. Like... It's yeah, I uh, I mean, I, I, I find it hard to take compliment like anybody, not like anybody, you know, there's some narcissists out there, but I think like, you know, of the type, you know, whatever. Um, but so there is an uncomfortable element when people are really into your music and they tell you or they're like clearly they've come a long way, maybe travel from another country to see you and stuff. But I, I think it's probably like for me, I'm as well as being, um, kind of like a slightly low self-esteem person I also like love attention um it probably goes hand in hand so I think it's mostly I think I welcome welcome um compliments <laughs> probably too much it would be nice if I had less of a less of a dependence on them probably maybe that's that's something I can work on when we go back on tour eventually be more like god I don't know more um more uh, satisfied and just myself to be fair i do the same thing mm. like if i get to the end of a uh, uh, if i say if i say this it's going to be awkward at the end if you enjoy this interview but like if i get to the end of the interview and someone's like oh wow you know like that's the best interview we've done all press tour or, or whatever then yeah that's, that's just that's my shit like i'll, I'll yeah. just live off that and nothing else for the next week you know? It's funny when you say it, I'm, I think that's completely valid. And I think that's just, that's good. I think if, if you do, if you do a great interview, I think you deserve to hear about it and you deserve to dine out on it for whatever, however long you need to. Maybe I'm just, maybe this just cause it's myself. I'm just like, I don't like the idea of me being seen as like a narcissist. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I think, yeah, I think, I think it's all, I think it's all fine. And and yeah, I had, yeah, in conclusion, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like, I know what you're saying. I think I see it the same way that you do for, you know, for myself. And I always mm. find it hard to be, to, uh, well, let me say it again. I find the idea mm. that someone could listen to the podcast and 
enjoy my banter you know just as much as say they enjoy yours you know if they're like a fresh fan or whatever and that that to me is like such a strange kind of idea like and and it must and yet when I talk to bands I'll be like hey I really like your music and that's why I have you on the show and all that kind of stuff but I don't it doesn't go both ways for me like it seems like a perfectly normal thing to say Mm. I'm fucked yeah I'm a whole I'm the I'm the works pizza of like you know (laughs) weird music industry problems me too I was what I was gonna say which completely I blanked on while I was trying to talk but and it's is that I think I have no desire for validation not no that would be that's ridiculous I have so little desire for validation statistically and numerically across like industry things and social stuff I really think I am happy within my skin my statistical skin but I think I really do want creative validation I think because it's important to me I really do crave that external like a good press review or somebody coming up at merch or um, an email or a, yeah like a, the minute a bandcamp purchase has been made and that little notification comes up that they've left a message with their pers- purchase I, I absolutely immediately click on that little notification I want to read what they've written because people don't send you hate mail when you're this small of a band it's only ever good that's another reason to never get too big you like who's going to hate on a band with like 3,000 followers nobody <laughs> it's all it's oh, all you've never like- advertised on Facebook before have you <laughs> oh god oh god one time someone called a picture of me and miles blondie and the soy boy which was strange blondie wasn't an insult my hair was bleach blonde at the time so it was weak but i'm kind of glad because i can't obviously i cannot take criticism (laughs) i would have cried um but yeah i think yeah it's it's hard but there's been a there's been a couple times where we've had somebody really intense talk to us and um that actually is it sometimes it goes above flattering and actually you're really anxious because you want to live up to it Mm. and you want to make sure that you're yeah that you're you're as nice as they think you are or hope you are I don't know like it it feels like you're performing for sure um but I just think I feel like I yeah there's especially since I've built fresh around feminism and queerness and things I do feel like I have responsibility to some to people if they're young or queer or woman or or gender diverse like yeah and I yeah that's that actually is really (laughs) nerve-wracking oh I bet yeah yeah I fucking I was talking to do you know the band C Space Cowboy yeah yeah so I was talking to Connie the other week um actually about something really really similar Mm. and she was saying about the pressure that she feels because she's Mm. like you know, I started this band, I love music, all of that sort of stuff. But all of a sudden, I'm like the poster person for everything. And she's yeah. saying that obviously that has good sides and and bad sides, right? Yeah. It's better to be the poster person for like a good band than, you know, a, than for a bad thing, of course. For sure. But for, yeah, for you, is it is it odd being in that situation? Or do you get used to it? The, that idea that you're, can I call you a poster woman? Is that? That sounds kind of wanky. I, I don't think I am. A, I don't think we're, we're, we're high profile enough for me to be a poster woman. Um, poster person, poster, poster woman. <laughs> such I a know. Funny, just, it is I really weird. Like such a dickhead. Yeah, for some reason, like with the same way, like front woman really pisses me off. I cannot label why. I don't know why. I think it's because I'm also a guitarist and front woman evokes just a singer 
kind of like a paramordial. But no, um, to answer your question, um, no, I don't think you get used to it. Um, and I literally, I mean, as I said, we're not we're not a huge band. It's it's quite. Is it strange for me to do a promotional podcast and just keep telling? telling you and everyone listening how small we are. I don't think that's how it's supposed to work. It's, it's but, incredibly English. The worthless guys did it the whole way through. They were like, hi, we're worthless and we're really sorry and we hope oh, you don't think we I'm suck. So, I, yeah, yeah. Maybe would a man be talking about his band this way? Oh God, oh God. Um, I think the the amount that I have it probably is quite, is to the extent you don't get used to it. But also I just think the problem is I have a band where I sing about the things that have affected me. And so I attract people who have gone through the same things as me. And so it is quite personal when people come up and they have a a story or something to share that actually hits close to home, maybe a bit too much sometimes. I think some people overshare as well. People don't know what boundaries are because they don't know you. So they just think that you're like an extension of your music, which is Mm. quite hard also on the other on the complete other side I call that the good aspect of it even if it is intense and sometimes maybe a bit too I don't know you, you, like if you're at a show if you've just played a show and you're having a great time you and somebody comes up and they get involved with you with a really intense conversation about mental health maybe it's you know and you're suddenly like thrown you know you're like three beers in and you're like yeah suddenly you're in the spotlight that that isn't ideal but then and but I still think as a concept that's good and those things are good that's positive but then the other side is that there's a lot of I mean I find it older men who are just completely categorically the fucking worst (laughs) that yeah they have this idea of me in their head uh weirdly sexualized um considering that like the songs are not sexy (laughs) um and yeah it's really weird like sometimes it's it's definitely gotten really weird and horrible um and like yeah and at that point I've thought about this a lot but I play in another band as I said with 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 my bandmates Phoebe and Sophie there's a huge difference to traveling with three men and like navigating a space with three men like as your as your wingmen like yeah I've noticed with my other band cheerleaders when we all walk into a green room everyone stops talking (laughs) It's like, why? <laughs> like, what were you talking about that you don't want us to hear? Or like, are we like, are we like, are we like zoo animals or something? But yeah, like, I think I actually have to like rely on my, in fresh, I have to rely on my bandmates a lot and kind of like piggyback onto their male privilege. <laughs> um, and yeah, like, luckily they're all really good if I have an issue or if I don't feel comfortable I'll come up and they'll be like they'll handle it <laughs> mostly <laughs> sometimes I have to do it myself but that's good sometimes you just have to stand up for yourself I'm so bad at that I'm so non-confrontational <laughs> it's so hard it's, yeah. it's a nightmare yeah it is <laughs> and and I you know I obviously say that like being someone that does a thing on the internet and so yeah. doesn't have people walk up to you know, I'm at a show yeah. and and do all of the things that you that you've talked about. Like it's a totally different world. Yeah, I, I, yeah, there isn't that aspect, but it it is like confrontation exists everywhere, and it can be just as scary via via email and stuff. I've definitely had some really horrible like men on Twitter experiences and men on yeah, like the internet's vile. 
fucking men are vile. Yeah, they are. They are. Just genuinely speaking, the fucking worst. Yeah, they are. And I wish they weren't. God, that. why do I sound like fucking Bono or something talking about live it? Like, obviously, it's so complex. And obviously, I talk a lot of shit about men for someone who's the only woman in her band. But like, God, I don't know. I don't know. Any, yeah, I, I think men need to grow grow up and stop. It really is frustrating. And this actually does like genuinely keep me up at night. But like no matter what I do creatively for the rest, like people, like a lot of men, maybe even people because internalized misogyny is a thing. But anyway, like a lot of men are always just going to see me as sexualized object. And that really sucks because like I think I see myself as a man in terms of like in my head, I'm just a dude making music. And it's really frustrating when that doesn't connect. I think when I was younger, I always just used to like, when I pictured myself on stage and stuff, I think I just, I was on such a steady diet of like man emo and pop punk. I just pictured myself as a man. And then when I started playing, I was shocked when I wasn't a man. <laughs> if you know what I mean. 100%. Yeah. I, th- I think the the hard thing about it is like, it doesn't take much self-awareness not to be an asshole yeah you know like we're not actually asking for much yeah like I think about all the all the tripping over myself I do in my mind to make sure that I'm a kind person that no one's I didn't mean you I meant the the men sorry just to clarify no no I know like my point is like I think about all the women I know in music and myself and how thoughtful we are to other people's feelings and how much we care and like just how much emotional intelligence we have. And then I realized men don't worry about that at all. And it's so frustrating because like, yeah, like I worry about things that a guy would never worry about. And I see my bandmates like sometimes just like navigate their way through a space, just like, oh, and I'm just there like, oh, I need to make sure no one's feelings are hurt. And it's like, well, actually, you know, it's inevitable that people won't like you sometimes. Sure. But not liking you because you're a woman is a different thing, right? Mm. Or not seeing your artistry because you're a woman is a, is a different yeah. thing. I think that's, I wish, I wish there was some, I wish, I just want to grab them by the shoulders and be like, I'm just like you. <laughs> like my brain is the same. It's just, it's, it's just all this. I'm gesturing at my face. <laughs> yeah, true. Like, yeah, for the, for the, for the notes of the listeners. Um, but like, it is really frustrating because I think what, people, what men don't realize about women and anyone who's diverse gender is that we really we don't we don't feel like how you see us like I, I don't know like yeah it's really frustrating you feel like you're like right behind glass I don't know I can't describe it it's really hard but I'm yeah, glad I'm a woman <laughs> if, it, if it means yeah. anything. I love being a woman I just hate how people see see you I kind of I kind of hate being a dude I can under I think I would hate being a dude it's like and don't get me wrong there are obvious like benefits which are not uh, um probably phrased that terribly they're, they're, my career has blown up twice tonight um but <laughs> do, you know gen- episode of the podcast yeah <laughs> no i understand completely what you mean you know gen- generally speaking it's it's like it's such a weird experience mm. but also you kind of look around and you're just like why are we like this like fuck it's, I mean, it's, what, yeah. yeah, I think I think there's numerous problems doing this, but what I try to equate it to is my whiteness and like white guilt 
and how I am very privileged as a white woman. I think white women have, in the scene, white women have a huge amount of power. Um, and so I, I mean, I imagine it's like that in that it's just this complete like clueless. It's like, I have no idea what it's like to be a black or ethnic minority in a band. Like I just don't. And I, and I really feel that privilege I have as a white person. So yeah, I, 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 I definitely think I can't just like, and I shouldn't just like draw a power, like you're a man, I'm a woman, but I don't know what it's like to not be white. Like, I don't think it's simple, like a chain like that, but that's kind of how I uh, put it into perspective, I think. <laughs> I like that. I actually, I, I like that a lot. And I, it's something that I definitely am going to try and be more, I, no, wait, I'm going to try and approach it more like that is, you know, yeah. my thing is like, I just get internal rage. Yeah. It's a, you know, you, you can go, you can go through my, my Facebook and there are comments of guys, the, the, the all the negative comments are dudes. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. I've never like, received hate mail from a woman. No. I, I feel, I feel I'm actually saying that I'm suddenly like, have I, but I, I don't think I have. I've received, we've received as a band, a lot of really horrible stuff from men. And it's just, I expect it. Like, mm. yeah. I mean, I think it is useful to think about it as a hierarchy of privilege and at the top, cis, straight, white men with no mental illness, with a lot of money. Um, I think, yeah, I also think, you know, you shouldn't, as it, again, it's not a numbers game. And um, I think you can just, you know, I think a lot of people are put off by when you use words like that, like people from an older generation feel attacked men maybe feel attacked you know they think you're being a bit too woke or whatever but it's just a useful way to think about it like sure I'm a white woman but I also um I'm gay and I have you know <laughs> a lot of issues with my mental health <laughs> this is sounding like a very pathetic part of the podcast um we drove by Ealing Hospital and just without thinking like I don't know why I said I was like I was driving and I was like <laughs> spent a lot of time there and the driving instructor was like what <laughs> that's amazing oh my god I don't know why I said that like he like I'm such an anxious person driving is terrifying he already like thinks I'm insane and I am so I just like I think I really really did a number on him today like I really cemented my status as an unbalanced person um but yeah like you know everyone I think I think people just people in a position of privilege just really don't see the humanity and people beneath them and that hierarchy like men don't think women are like them mm. um but like my goal isn't to be like I'm just like the dudes I'm just like you guys but I, but like our brains are the same like our, our pattern of thought are the same like this hunter gatherer bullshit is like scientifically not true you know like oh it just it pisses me off so much it always has I've always been so shocked when people are rude to me or dismissive of me because I don't in my mind I'm not a woman in the sense that they think of womanhood as like a sexualized thing in my mind I'm just like a, a musician and a singer and a guitarist and I always, I genuinely always feel like, a, a, like, you know, in the cartoons when he steps on the rake and it comes up and gets him in the face. Like, that's how I feel. It's like such a, I, yeah, it's awful. But yeah. I know. I feel this. it's interesting for me. Like, I see, 
and like like the and you I know you're not supposed to talk about this stuff, but like the gay community can be quite similar mm. in that respect. You know, like and it's always an odd thing because you know you shouldn't. I don't know. There's always this kind of weird thing around like calling out your own community or whatever. But yeah, especially when it comes to older guys in the gay community, yes, they can be exactly the same as the way straight guys treat women, but they just Absolutely. do it to other guys. And that that when I first learned that, it was the biggest mind fuck because yeah. I was like, oh, I thought this was like everyone was friends exactly. and lovely and wonderful, yeah, right? And then it's like, oh, it's not like that. Oh. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, how, like how can you be repressed <laughs> and a dickhead <laughs> yeah absolutely like and that's the thing nobody is completely privileged I think there's been a lot of times in my in my musical life or life as as a person in a band where I've felt really hesitant to address an issue I've had with the person because they're struggling with their mental health or they're you know they're a minority in some way and like yeah, I think it's not clear cut. You can't put people into boxes like that. If people are being out of order, they're being out of order, first of all. But what you said about the gay community is really apt because it reminds me of uh, this episode of this show called Tales of the City, which is like, I think it's a Netflix original, but it's essentially this kind of sentimental drama um, set in San Francisco of this gay community. And there's an episode where a young black gay man and his much older partner, so he's like 28, his partner's 50 or whatever, they go to a dinner with his partner's friends who are all these old white gay men and they're all very wealthy. And there's like a moment where, and there's there's like this, I can't remember exactly how the scene goes, but it's essentially this clash of like, one of them makes a racist remark about Mexican people. He calls them out on it at the dinner table and they kind of go into a you, you, the only reason you're so, you know, woke with your words is because you can afford to be, because when we were your age, we were, you know, the AIDS epidemic was a thing and you have no idea what it's like to struggle and no idea what it's like to be a gay person where the cops don't care if you die. And this, this character is like a young black gay man. He's like, I can't, and you know, he runs out. He can't, he can't take it because fairly, a white wealthy man has just told him you have no idea what it's like if the police don't care if you die and it's I mean I love that show it's got Elliot Page in it it's it's got great cast it's an incredible show but what you said really just stirred that up with me of like every a group of people who are all minorities and facing facing hardship but because of that there's such temptation to all just like homogenize everyone, just be like, we're all together, we're all fighting the same fight. And it's actually, well, no, if you don't acknowledge that someone else is having a more difficult time, then that's really dangerous and harmful. Like, Mm. yeah, I couldn't ever, and that's why this whole girl, I'm just one of the guys thing is never gonna, you know, you're set up to fail because you're not one of the guys. You shouldn't want to be one of the guys. And I think it, I think young women and teenagers find that really hard. You do just so badly want to be exactly like them but then you have to realize no one's ever going to view you like that so you just need to like own it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I fucking yeah I, I completely agree but and I, but I love the idea of owning it and I, I, that's the cool thing of like to bring it full circle about the kind of music that we're into right is that whether it's Laura Jane Grace or you or Paris or so many other people it's like creating that space to just own it and I just yeah. I think that's, I th- firstly, I think it's about, you know, it's about time, obviously. Like, it's, you know, it's no secret that the um, punk scene's been dominated by people that look like me for a really fucking long time. 
mm. and there's this I have this whole bee in my bonnet about the fact that like 98% of the people that I interview are men wow and it's like that yeah it's just this and I've it's this weird thing like you try to shift it and it mm. collapses this way and it never it never balances out right yeah. um but it's yeah you know it's it's like it's good and inspiring and hopeful I think that we're getting to a place in the scene where people are starting to like claim their ground and Absolutely. you know push out the old guard and it's changed in such a short amount of time I think right before I started fresh women in bands were like still a novelty and now like depending on the genre I always love pop because of just how incredible it is and innovative it is for, for, for women and queer people I think it's miles ahead of punk um but yeah just like with bands like Camp Cope and Against Me and just like those kind of bands you hear a song and you just watch them and you just you it, it opens up doors really does like yeah if I hadn't gotten into bands like Hop Along and Camp Cope and Charlie Bliss and just all these incredible bands just really I just I don't think I would have started playing because yeah I don't know just wouldn't have had the confidence and yeah it's I, I and I get reaffirmed all the time just yeah like because we we try I, I I it's a rule but I don't want to say it out loud because you know every situation's unique but we never tour with just men it's mm -hmm. like a thing we try to do um because being the only woman on a tour is like boring and sad <laughs> anyway <laughs> even if it wasn't a moral issue but yeah like exactly I it is really encouraging to see to see what the public wants, which is more representation actually overtake. And like now, now I think more and more prominent people in, in music are forced to bow to those demands and more, it's still a long way to go, but more and more lineups have women on them um, and more and more festivals. I think festivals are actually one of the areas it's lagging, but anyway, you know, like I just, yeah, it is encouraging and that, that does make me really happy sure i feel like that's a really beautiful note to end it on thank you so much for tonight it has been amazing thank you it's been incredible see now i feel weird no i'm kidding <laughs> that bit's getting cut out but seriously i do appreciate it it's been a it's been a really awesome conversation so thank you this has been i mean i'm not saying this because i know you want to dine out on anything but this genuinely has been one of the most interesting and like thought-provoking really genuine uh, promotional things I've done. So that was my <clears throat> so that was my conversation with Catherine from Fresh here on the Modern Punk Podcast. Love to know what you thought about that conversation. Hit me up on Twitter at Modern Punk, Facebook at Modern Punk Podcast, I believe. I'm really interested in your thoughts on that conversation because I think there's still a whole lot of work that we need to be done in the punk scene but you know i think we're i think we're getting there and obviously catherine raises a whole lot of really great points throughout that conversation so i hope you enjoyed that as much as i enjoyed talking to her this is the new track from fresh it's from the ep the summer i got good at guitar which came out at the end of april so you can stream that shit now you can buy the vinyl you can buy the digital too and you think you probably should so this track is called My Redemption Arc. You're on the More Than Punk podcast, and I will see you again 
next week. Face